Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you guys are having a great day so far. No matter where you are in the world, no matter what you're going through, I'm sending you all the love and light. And I am especially excited to be introducing this week's wonderful guest, Miss Jessica Reese. So as you guys may have known, or if this is your first episode of Stay Grounded Tuning In, I'm going to give you a little bit of background. Earlier this year, I lost my grandmother and my aunt within a two-week period, and it was a really, it has been a very difficult experience for my family. We haven't been able to say goodbye the traditional ways, like we couldn't have funerals. They ended up cremating the bodies immediately when they died. They lived in India, and so we just didn't get to go see them. We didn't get to really be with family. So it's been a difficult process learning how to grieve inside of COVID-19. And I'm realizing that I don't know how to grieve. My dad definitely doesn't know how to grieve. Nobody really knows how to grieve. There are these four-step processes, and there's a lot of kind of frameworks for grief, but I'm finding that my experience with grief is very different than my father's, whose experience of grief is very different from my brother's, whose experience of grief is very different from my mother's. And I wanted to bring Jessica on to sort of break down the taboos and myths and sort of all of the conventional ideas around grief and really show us what it means to grieve and process the loss of a loved one, or even process the loss of a way of life, process the loss of something you wanted, process the loss of a normal year, process the loss of 2020 going a certain way. I mean, grief is not necessarily tied to death. It can be tied to the loss of anything. And so uh, just to give you some background on Jess, Jess is a death doula. So she specializes in helping people navigate the loss of a loved one and nourishes them with love, guidance, support, And she specializes in grief, loss, shadow work, and death guidance. So she's amazing. I I, I mean, this was one of my favorite conversations of the year, not just because Jess is amazing, but I actually felt like it was just a cathartic release for myself. You know, like, uh, it turns out there is no playbook for grief. So there's there's a spoiler alert right there, and there's no right way to grieve. And I just really felt assured that whatever I was processing, whatever my family was going through was normal. And, you know, in this conversation, we talk a lot about why do we struggle to navigate grief? How do we actually feel the full spectrum of emotions? What are normal emotions? What are not normal emotions? And why do we even think that any emotion is not normal? How do you meet somebody who's grieving where they are? So if you have someone in your life who is going through a tough time, how do you hold space for them? The wonderful, energetic, powerful forces that death and the rite of passage that death creates really allows grief to be, uh, and how, how that rite of passage allows grief to be such a powerful form of, uh, of transformation. Uh, I mean, this whole episode was filled with gems, encouragement, with light, with love, and healing for me, for Jess, I believe too. And I hope if you're going through a tough time, if you don't know how to grieve, if you feel 
overwhelmed with the emotions of life and, and all of the chaos that ensues, I hope this episode serves as an anchor for you to be reminded that you're doing so good. You are just showing up inside of the feelings, the loss, the pain is one of the most brave things a human being can do. Grief is one of those emotions and processes that all of us are going to have to face at some point in our lives, whether it's through death, whether it's through the loss of a way of life. I mean, we're all facing some level of grief this year. So even if you haven't experienced the ringer like I have, I think this episode is going to have something really beautiful for you. So enjoy it. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes or any of the podcast apps. All that means is every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. Reach out to me and Jess on social media. Yeah, I hope this episode finds you guys well. I'm sending you all the love and just all the love. It's such a crazy year with so much turmoil and noise in the world. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that this episode, this podcast serves as an anchor for you to, to, to really sink back into yourself and remind yourself that it's okay to be a human being. So, all right. Love you guys. But without further ado, here is the amazing Jessica Reese. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you're all having a wonderful day so far. I'm so excited to have you here, Jess. Welcome. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like I could take this (laughs) in a lot of different directions right now. But I really, I was really looking forward. I am looking forward to this conversation just because I think this year in particular has has forced a lot of individuals to change their relationship with grief. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're grieving the loss of a loved one and the way you have to do that now, or if you're grieving the loss of a way of life, or if you're grieving plans that you had for an amazing 2020. I mean, there's so many things to grieve. And I, I want to maybe start and set the tone for why do you think people don't know how to grieve? Like just that idea. Like I was talking to my dad earlier. I mean, he, we as a family have gone through a lot with death recently. And I remember him mentioning to me, he's like, Raj, I don't know how to grieve. Like he mentioned that to me, although he was in tears feeling in it, but for some reason he felt like he was doing it wrong. Why do you think we as a society feel like we're doing grief wrong or we're not grieving properly, or we have some story around the perfection of, of grief? Can you maybe, let's just start there and then take it from there. Sure. I think what happens with a lot of us is that we aren't really taught how to fully express our emotions in general, right? And so even when you have our roles in society, whether they're female or male, I feel like males, men have even less abilities to access emotions or to show them. And so we're kind of taught to not show certain emotions. Happiness, all the good emotions are fine. Happiness, even anger is an acceptable form of showing up like with your feelings and your emotions. But when it comes to grief... There's so many. It's like a, this crazy, huge spectrum of emotions that can come through. And no one tells us that all these emotions that we're feeling are normal and okay. And so we just try to show up in a way we, where we don't inconvenience others. And mm-hmm. so that shows up in, oh, no, I'm okay. Thank you. I'm fine. I'm doing, I'm doing great. But at home, you want to just like scream into a pillow 
or you just want to like show up to a grocery store in your pajamas and like not wash your hair for four days. So I think it has a lot to do with us not being able to fully express ourselves in general, not being able to fully show up as ourselves. And so our emotions are going to obviously be determined by that. So what are normal emotions that show up during the grieving process? Like maybe, maybe there's not a normal, but like, are there patterns just from your experience that you've seen that show up consistently? No. <laughs> so I mean, um, because so we're also liberating to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we're also different. We're all uniquely different. We have different cultural backgrounds, belief systems. They are raw, natural state. Our emotions that come through are so varied. But again, if you're only allowed a certain few emotions in your society or your culture, you will only, I mean, that those seem normal, right? You'll have the kind of the numbness, the retreat, the no emotions, the not crying, you'll have the crying, wallowing. Those all seem kind of like perceived normal emotions. But the ones that we don't talk about are the rage, the screaming, the feeling like you're depressed all of a sudden. You know, you have feelings of depression and heaviness and weightedness or not feeling anything at all, becoming completely numb. So there are really no normal emotions in grief. I mean, you'll see all of them. There's one I love talking about, which is a heightened sense of libido. We don't talk about that one. Yeah, it's called grief sex. People don't talk about that one. And it's very common. Yeah, and it's very common because you have lost this like anchor to the way you see the world. Everything's changed. And so you turn to pleasure. And we don't talk about how we try to distract ourselves with, you know, any kind of addictive, well, not, I shouldn't say addictive, but any kind of overconsumption of things, drugs, alcohol, food, people. So yeah, there's, there's, it's a, a huge range of emotions that show up in grief. So how do you delicately dance with a grieving process that seemingly does not have any form or structure? What does that dance look like? And for those that may not have experience, it sounds like everybody, including myself, clearly, I didn't know a lot of, a lot of things you're sharing right now, but like, I'm, I'm curious, like, how do you dance with something that's so unknown that has so many variables that, that, that seemingly change with the weather? As the person who is kind of observing, right? So saying someone in your position with, they say your dad, for instance, you're there to witness. You're there's just there to witness. There's the person who's experiencing the grief and then there's the person who's witnessing it. And you're just meant there to, you're just meant to hold space for them. You're their tether, their anchor back into this kind of reality that no longer exists for them. They're crashing up against very recent memories of the person that passed away that they were still living and still present. They could give them a phone call and the reality of them actually being gone. And it takes your, it takes your mind, body, spirit some time to process that information in that processing, everything, anything, everything goes. And so we're just meant as the observers to hold space and witness someone in their grief and their experience. What about the person who's in the experience? Like how can they dance with selfishly for myself? Like how can I dance better? How can anybody going through a process that's so hurtful and so confusing and so unknown dance better with what is? I say as in life, lean in, no judgment, no self-criticism. Just allow yourself to feel anything that's coming through and coming up. It's really important for you to allow yourself to be guided by your own inner knowing, your own compass, your own emotions. And when we try to stifle that and hold it back, we're kind of 
creating this like obstacle. We're creating yeah. this bottleneck in our process. And so we end up getting stuck there. And But if you just start allowing yourself to really just release, move, scream, cry, yell within reason. I mean, as long as you're not hurting physically someone else, then there's really no right or wrong way to dance with it. It's just more about allowing yourself to really feel it. It's almost like changing your relationship with the idea that there's a right way to do this. There isn't. Exactly. I love that you said that. It's a total relationship. There's no right way to grieve. Why do we think there is? I think we've been taught this methodology of like the stages of grief. And so we think we can kind of put into these like really neat categories. And, you know, it's easier for us to help others manage when we know what to expect, I guess. But the, the reality is, is that it's not, there's no right way. That's just one methodology. That's just one idea, one, one way of thinking about grief and loss. But I've, I see so many people experience grief very differently and they feel very isolated and alone because we don't talk about it. Yeah. We don't talk about, you know, the, I just lost the person I love. Don't give me solutions. Don't tell me to go find a counselor and a support group. I can't even hear you, right? A lot of people tell me, I don't even hear that information goes from one ear, it goes in one ear, out the other. Because right now I just want someone to say, whatever you need, I'm here. I don't, yeah. I don't know what to do except just to hear for you. And if you want me to hold your hand, I will. If you want me to scream with you, I will. But other than that, you're allowed to do whatever you're being called to do right now. Versus a lot of us will try to solutionize the pain away. Well, they want, I mean, I think human beings intrinsically, we want to feel better, right? Like we want to feel, well, we want to feel a sense of maybe control or feel a specific emotion. But I'm finding that underneath all of the emotions, there's the overwhelming truth of it, which is just that it's not like there's like for me in my process, there haven't been any good or bad emotions. There have been tough pills to swallow, which have been hurtful. But once you feel it's almost like a like every time I cry on the other side of that cry is just a wonderful, peaceful state of like almost like. Like it's mm-hmm. like a calming, it's a calming sense of maybe even joy. Like one of my favorite movies is uh, or Pixar movies. Have you seen Inside Out? Yes. So you know how mm-hmm. like like in the beginning, joy doesn't want anything to do with sadness. Uh, if anybody listening, this is going to be a spoiler alert. But like <laughs> the beginning, like joy doesn't want anything to do with sadness. But then in the end, joy realizes that the only reason joy, all of the memories that joy holds so dear is coming after something so sad. It's like this beautiful dance with our emotions. I don't know where the hell I'm going with this, but I I guess I just want to come back to if people want to feel better, what is the story about grief that they can change with themselves that can allow the grieving process to be a more beautiful experience? So there's a couple of things that are coming up for me in that moment. So again, it's it's about grieving, like how do you feel better? And it's it's not about feeling better. It's about understanding the rhythm and the timing of your grief, right? Because in the beginning, everything's just kind of crashing up against you. But eventually you get this like rhythm, this like timing, you know, what, what's, what it's going to feel like, you know, how long it's going to last. So you just learn how to like manage and like dance with the ebbs and the flows. And that's really what it comes down to. It really doesn't get better per se. It just gets a little less extreme a little more manageable. 
And then, so then you can start going and getting the gratitude from the grief, Mm. but it's more about, um, you said something really interesting. You said, you know, uh, you kind of mentioned how we get kind of stuck in this feeling of trying to make things better, trying to make this like, how do I find the silver lining? How do I do this better? How do I make this process easier? And it's, it's really about allowing yourself to feel anything that's coming up because you mentioned crying and crying is cleansing because it gives you space. You're now created space for the good to come in. You've now created space. You've released all the stuff that's stuck, pent mm. up, hurt, sticky to make room for the gratitude, the good memories that they're like talking about your grandmother. And I read the post about your grandmother, how she was like this incredible part of your life. She's like yeah. a part of you, which she really is. Our ancestors are our, our roots. They're, we are the seeds they planted. So absolutely 100%, they're a part of us. We're a part of them. And so it's about how do you make room for the good? And speaking about inside out, how do you make room for the good if you're so afraid to move through the bad? I think that's the piece. The only way out is through. Of course. Like and I actually say dance through. <laughs> or, or dance through. I love that. That's yeah. such a, it's a yeah. graceful reframe because it allows you to change your relationship. Like that's it. Like our word choices are so important. Like knowing that this is a dance or treating this like it's a dance allows you to have a bit of play, to invite Mm -hmm. play into this, to invite an opportunity for gratitude. I really appreciate that you said creating the space for gratitude because I actually believe that once you feel everything, the only thing that's left is love. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once you feel the heartbreak, the only thing left is thank you, love, Mm -hmm. or 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 a gratitude. It's a feeling like so. It's almost like when you allow yourself to dance and purge and just let move through you what wants to move through you. The thing that you're left with is actually the thing that allows you to maybe even get into that rhythm. Mm-hmm. knowing that, okay, I'm going to go through this right now, knowing that I'm going to feel grateful. And that's the hope. That's the light at the end of the tunnel. It's that feeling of gratitude, which is the undercurrent of our human experience. So I like to say something that kind of also shifts the narrative, which is our grief is sacred and it's a rite of passage. Ooh, I just got a shiver hearing that. Yeah, because what happens is when you start reframing that we get to grieve because we got to love someone so much that changes it all. When you say this is, I had this grandmother that touched me in such a way, this aunt that didn't have children that loved me as if I was her own, that changed you, that made you who you are as a person. And so there's sacredness to it. And so you're a celebration of their life you're an accumulation of everything that they poured into you, all that love, all that bigness, all that expansiveness that they wanted for you. You're showing up as that in your grief. So yes, it hurts to have lost them. Yes, it hurts that they're not here physically, but now they're living inside of you. Inside of you. Their lives are in your memories now. As you're saying that, I, I just, I'm realizing that when somebody's alive and you praise them and you're grateful for them, praise and gratitude kind of go hand in hand. Right? Like I, I'm, I honor you. I celebrate you. You're so amazing. I love you. Well, when you're grieving, you're doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're celebrating. Like they, this person meant so much to you that 
you're going to honor them and remember them and feel the sadness of them going away and be with the pain, but also feel the gratitude and the smiles and the laughs that they inspired, the, the purpose that they inspired, the, the things that you're going to change about your own life as a result of you honoring their memory. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a, there's a beautiful dance. It's, it's, it's the celebration. There's celebration at the undercurrent of both. And I love the rite of passage idea like that. I do feel like for me personally, that that whole month was a rite of passage. Because I think one of the most important things to remember is that we're going to die one day. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a powerful reminder in, there's a powerful focusing agent in acknowledging death. Mm-hmm. It, it changes. Like there's, there's, I think I read some quote the other day. It was like, men live two lives or something like that. Men live two lives. First one is XXX. The second one is when they remember that they only have one to live or something like that. It was like something around the like, idea of like, I totally butchered that. Whoever, whoever said that quote, sorry, completely butchered it. But the whole idea is that like, once you, once you actually acknowledge and face death, you actually have that focusing agent to truly live life. Mm-hmm. I, I say that um, the presence of death is life affirming. Mm. Even conversations about death and dying. As soon as we're born, death is with us. And we need to just look at death a little differently. It's not meant to be this scary, ominous thing. Like, oh, I'm going to get you. Like, you know, the Grim Reaper is just going to show up one day and kill you. It's more about, it's this, I like to look at death like this um, master or this guru that's with me every day, full of ancient wisdom. And just every day reminding me, is this really in alignment with who you are? Is this really how you want to take this day? It may be your last. Is this how you want to be present and how you want to show up in the world? Because this may be how you're remembered. So it's, it's not this like, I like uh, bringing death in in this very nurturing way, this very grandmotherly crone energy way, because it's, death isn't there to, to scare you every day. It's really there to like make you live life in alignment with who you are. There's a fear in that too, as you were saying that, like, how do you want to be remembered? Well, here's the beautiful, like, here's the crazy, I think most people don't want to be remembered as the ones that are sad. That are, mm. that, are, that are crying, that are weak or going through, like they don't want to be seen a certain way. But as I'm having this conversation with you, I'm realizing truly feeling what you are feeling in every moment and giving yourself the permission to grieve or, or, or be great in both sides. Like that's it. Like grieving and praise are two sides of the same coin. So like by you being authentically human, which is what death almost inspires. Death inspires you getting out of the fabrication, the fantasy of what you're supposed to be and just in pure presence of what is. This is our last moment. And if crying and celebrating somebody and the impact that they made on you is what you're doing in your final moments, that is one of the most beautiful ways to be. Yeah. It's a choice. It's the choice to be alive. It's the choice to honor Crying is powerful. When you see someone cry, it almost immediately connects you to them. You are are drawn into them. Why are you crying? We're taught to kind of look away. We're taught to, no, 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 don't get involved in that. (laughs) But if you really sit with someone, because I've witnessed so many different situations in death and end of life and grief. When you just sit with someone and you watch this transformation of them, 
and you watch the outpour of all this emotion, this suffering, sadness, this wallowingness, this big, powerful, cleansing kind of moment energetically. And then you see them kind of come back to themselves and even pass themselves into this more warm, floating, expansive space of clearing and cleansing. So they make room, like we mentioned earlier, for those memories to come in. When you witness that, when you see that transformation, you're, it's such a powerful moment and you're so connected to the person who's going through it and you realize they're going to be okay. Like you as a witness go, all right, they're going to be all right. They just need someone here to be their anchor point to the world. But other than that, they're spiritually all over the place. But they're meant to be. I have never been more honored to be my father's son than when I've witnessed him over the last month and a half be so radically, authentically human being. Mm-hmm. Like I've never been more proud, more honored just because like truly witnessing truth. Like there's such a courage to feel there's a, there's a like surrendering to the blistering sort of sometimes relentlessly ruthful nature of life is one of the most inspiring things that I have personally witnessed. That surrender, almost falling on your knees and being like, oh, I give up. I just, I, I can't do this. I can't do this alone. And, and extending out a hand and asking for needs, like the courage to be so radically human being in times of grief is, is I feel so connected to my father now. Like I feel closer to him than I ever have. Not because we're both going through similar stuff. It's because I can witness and honor the humanity, the being, the, the combination of the soul and the, and the body, this, this radical expression of life that has been evoked and, and, and the dance. Like witnessing the dance is, is a beautiful thing. And we're all dancing. Like at, we started this conversation with that. Like we're all dancing with grief right now, like grieving a way of life, grieving, grieving loss of, of a plan. Like we're all grieving. And, and maybe that's what this year is supposed, like that's maybe I'm just saying I'm making meaning out of this. This is my mate. I'm my, this is my meaning that's being made, but mm-hmm. maybe this year was here to help us all be more radically human. Yeah. And it's an honor and a privilege to be able to experience all these things. And, and if you're framing it in a way where, for instance, you seeing your dad, there's this, when you're asked to be the support system from an elder, right? Our parents are our elders where they, we have this ideal of them, this like perfection parent ideal, this whole uh, kind of construct that we have. And then you see them being people, then that allows you to be people too. That allows you to be very human too. And then they're asking you for support. So then there's this exchange that your parents now see you as someone who's capable of holding this weight for them. And there's also this privilege and honor in that. Mm-hmm. So this, this whole sacredness and grief, this, this kind of transition of parent and child and child to parent, this is all preparing us that if we are lucky, lucky enough, fortunate enough to make it to old age, our parents to make to old age, that we are prepared to hold them in their end of life. Because you can carry the weight. The sacredness is a really beautiful idea. I haven't, can't believe I'm about to share this. I I haven't ever talked about this, but I guess I'll, I'll share this with you. I remember about a week before my grandmother had passed, 
I had this, like, I was sitting in a meditation. It was literally seven, five to seven days before. And I had this download come through me. I usually do meditation and I start journaling. And I had this download come through me that one of humanity's callings, one of this, this thing that we're all being called to step into. And in this moment, it was like, Raj, this is what you're here to experience. Our souls are here to help each other experience the safety of death. Mm. I had this visceral sort of like download come through me. I don't know what to make of it. And then five days later, my grandmother was in the ICU and it was, and it was such a, a radically incredible. I couldn't explain it. I was trying to understand what was going on, but I eventually just got to a point where I surrendered and just experienced what was happening couldn't explain, but I, I feel like there's this, the sacredness of, of our, our spirits and our souls and the connected nature of our humanity. Like there's, there's a shared experience in death. It's something that we will all experience and being able to hold that space. Like you're saying that, that safety in giving family members, the, the gift of choice to pass, if that is a privilege that they get to experience or being able to create the safety for anybody to experience egoic death in ways. I mean, that's a part like the death of an identity, the death of a way of life, like being able to hold the, the container and the space for, for others to experience, to, 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 to qualm or quiet the fear of death, mm-hmm. I think is, is, a, is a purpose that every single human being has to at one point in life live into. Yeah. There's something that happens, the growth that happens in that gift. So say, for instance, someone invited you to the birth of their child, right? We see it as a very black and white, like, I don't want to be in that room with you, but you are witnessing a human being portal into this world, like literally portal into this existence. So death is no differently. Death is no different. You are watching someone portal out of this existence and you're holding them as they do it. You're walking them to the veil. You're energetically cycling, transferring energy with them. And I don't know if you noticed with your grandmother, if you can connect with her energetically through your mind, through meditation, be in ceremony with her, and she can actually talk to you, communicate with you. And it's not necessarily through words, it's colors and visions and memories, but this overall feeling of gratitude and thank you for being here at my death. Thank you for witnessing my transition. And that can happen energetically. So right now when people are experiencing the lack of closure. They can't be there with their loved ones because of COVID. I do invite people to go into ceremony because we can recreate those memories in those spaces since they're in the spirit space and they're in the memory space. So your brain doesn't really know the difference between a visualization and the memory. So you can go back into that and create this whole world of I'm here, at, I'm here with my loved one at end of life and I'm going to support them as I walk into the veil. And then you get to imagine and envision that energetic communication with them and go into ceremony in a, in a way that gives you that, that closure, at least in the spirit space, right? In your memory, because you can take that with you later and honor in that way. It doesn't have to be something where I couldn't physically be there for you or them. So then I am kind of stuck with this in between. We can, in death and in birth, we can bypass the physical realm because they're already prepping, prepping to get beyond this place. Mm. You'll see it in, in people and animals. They have this preparation period. If, they're, if they get to, their body starts shutting down. They stop eating. They slow down. They start death nesting if they're still 
able to walk around, move around to get kind of things in order. It's this really nuanced, but beautiful kind of ease in their transition. If you get to witness it and be, and be able to be in that space with them and you get, again, you get to see the transformation. Like you saw your dad become very authentic, this human, this like raw version of himself. And he, and he allowed you in, you felt safe to him. That's an honor, a privilege. Also witnessing someone portal out is an incredible experience as well that I think a lot of us are missing because it's empowering. End of life in that moment energetically is a gift. Having your grandmother or grandparent or loved one say goodbye to you in that space is so beautiful. You know they're okay somehow. You know that they're actually ready. I want to spend a good chunk of time talking about ceremony because I think that that it's it's so I want to spend a good chunk of time, but I want to share the second half of that download I had uh, the week before my grandmother died. Well, when my grandmother went into the ICU, it was six or 7 p.m. on a Friday. And I kind of freaked out, didn't really know what was going on. Like eight hours earlier, I found out she tested positive for COVID. And then all of a sudden she was in the ICU. And I was like, what is going on? I remember texting a bunch of my friends and I was like, Hey, can you guys just send her a prayer? You know, just send her some love. And one of my friends texted me back and she had reminded me of the download I had a week before. And she intuitively kind of gave me the suggestion, Hey Raj, you should do some breath work, like feel into her energy and like do some breath work for her to help her lungs. I don't know why I felt like, yes, ma'am, I'm jumping in and like put on some gladiator music. And I started doing breath work. Like I did some Wim Hof breathing and I was just thinking about my grandma and just feeling into her, feeling into her, feeling into her. And um, it was the the wildest experience because I, and this was, I cannot explain this. I can't explain how this happened. But when I, I did breath work for about an hour and I don't know if you've done breath work before, but you know, when you do that much breath work, like there's a wave that hits you back, like wave of energy or just like feeling emotion, everything comes up. I slowed down and I tapped into my grandmother and all of a sudden I felt this massive wave of fear, Mm. like panic going up my body. It started at my toes and it went all the way up my body to a point where like I couldn't really breathe. And I remember having to call a friend and she was like helping me calm down and just do all that stuff. And after I did the breath work, I passed out and went to bed because I was so tired energetically. The next morning, I woke up at four in the morning and I tapped into my grandmother and I felt her and I just felt peace. I don't know why I just felt peace in my body. I felt peace everywhere. And I was like, she's taken care of. And at the end of, and then two hours later, I got the call from my dad saying that she passed away. And I don't know why, but my mind experienced this sense of, I was really sad that day, but there was also this overwhelming amount of gratitude. Because I, the meaning I had made of that was I got to help my, I was with my grandmother when she died. Like yeah. I felt into her energy, like that wave of panic was her last fight. Whether it was breath work or that, like my mind got to create the spiritual experience and the spiritual meaning that allowed me to grieve or it, it, it helped me immensely with my grieving process. Just knowing that my grandmother wasn't alone. And I share this not because I know everybody listens like, wow, this is freaking crazy, Raj. But I don't know how else to, I haven't been able to understand it. It's 
It's just something that I experienced. It was my pure experience. But I, I want to transition into ceremony yeah. as an idea because that idea of having a spiritual experience, like you don't have to be physically there. Like, what does that look like in practice? Like, is it writing letters? Is it is it meditating? Is it is it is it holding space and like a, is it is it having a specific space? Is it looking at pictures? Is it like what does an actual ceremony of like a, like a, a cathartic release like a what does that look like? What is what is yeah? Talk me through the whole thing because I'm yeah. just so curious about this in particular right now. With- sure, but first I do want to um, validate you. By the way, your experience is not crazy. It's uh, okay. in my line of work. We experience that quite a bit. It's common. It's a very common um, to energetically exchange with someone that you're sitting with that's actively passing. It's quite normal. And you do you do feel their last efforts. The body has a natural way of going to survival mode. And you'll do, you will sense panic and fear, especially if um, they're not medicated, you know, if they're not the morphine or lorazepam, or they're not getting it in, on time, they're not getting enough of it. But then you do get into this moment of peace and tranquility. And then it's just kind of more of waiting for them to take that final breath. So you're not crazy. (laughs) It's actually so, uh, it's very common. It's very, very common. And I think, again, therein lies the gift. You were able to witness the, almost the, the final end of life cycle of moving fear into release and tranquility. Uh, tranquility that that is the that is the safety yep it's yeah. it's it's the it's just the peace that oh, i feel that in my body mm-hmm. oh. and those are what we call gifts those are what our loved ones leave us is that gift of knowing that they're not in pain they're not suffering or that there's that peace that calmness that they were able to kind of leave this place without the trauma yeah. of some of us do experience death trauma, you know, when you're seeing a medical death and you see, you know, people fighting for their lives. Um, but there's still that moment, that peace that you discussed, but ceremony, I do had, uh, I've had a few loved ones die of COVID complications and I had to go into ceremony myself and I teach what I need to learn myself. And so couldn't say goodbye, goodbye to him. I saw him via Zoom. Um, as they, you know, took them off the ventilator and turned off all the machines. And I immediately was called to create this connection with him. And the way to do that is you visualize, I always set my space with intention, right? So I'll clear my space, I'll light candles, but I also will then visualize if I were to be in that room with, I'm going to use my uncle, for example, what would that room look like? Not what I think a medical room would look like. Sure, the the bed, the room, but I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it a little bit as an I would love us to have this space together. I changed the hue of the room. It became this like rose-colored, dim, amber color, and it was peaceful. And there was soft music coming in. And then I allowed myself to connect with the memories that he and I shared. And I just let whatever memories needed to come up, uh, come through. And I remember his love for life and love for dancing and the last time we danced together. And that happiness brought 
the sadness of losing him. And in the sadness of losing him, I was able to say what I need to say to him in order to say goodbye. I was able to give him thanks and how, tell him how grateful I was uh, for him and who he was as a person and fully showing up as himself, no matter the occasion. He was always so dressed up, you know, ready to dance, ready to party. I never really saw him drinking a lot, but he was just this beacon of light in a very dark space always. And I made sure that I told him that even before the ceremony, I got dressed as if he and I were going to go somewhere. Mm. So I put on a beautiful dress. I put a full face of makeup on. We're going to go out dancing. And so from there, I visualized our space together. I told him everything I needed to say. I allowed all the memories, the best of all our memories to come through so that I could fully express how much I was going to miss him and that I was here for him and that he was not alone. And uh, I went into ceremony after he died. So I watched him on the Zoom pass away. And then that night I went into ceremony with him and I felt him very presently with me energetically and lit another candle in remembrance to him and used the fire to bond us. And that's the memory I created for us. That's how I saw him passing away. I exchanged energy with him. I said everything I needed to. I said goodbye, that I was going to miss him, that my mom was going to be incredibly heartbroken because they were best friends. And that was it. And I was able to put him to rest. There's something so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, by the way. I appreciate that. And I'm sorry for your loss. Um, I, When my grandmother passed, um, we ended up planning a flower for her. That was our ceremony. Um, me and my brother, we went and... It's funny, the last conversation I had with my grandma, like I was just so present, so alive, so trying to make her feel good. And I asked her what her favorite color was. And into it, and she was just like, whatever your favorite color is. And that was the last conversation I had with her. And my favorite color is orange. And so we went and bought her an orange flower, this nice short little tiny flower because she's short and spunky. And like we got this little flower and uh, my ceremony. And it was interesting. We did it as a family, but not everybody in my family wanted to do it, which is also really interesting. Like and for anybody listening, if you're doing a ceremony, with other people, like this gets to be yours. Mm-hmm. Like you get to make this your experience and you don't have to do it right with everybody there. There's no, there's no right way to do this. It's just the way that feels um, appropriate for you. Like, and so I remember I went upstairs while everybody was downstairs and I like put on some music. I lit a little incense and I wrote a letter to her mm-hmm. and I just dumped all my heart out and I was crying when I was writing the letter and I was thanking her and I just felt this over, like I just loved her. I just loved her for giving me the gift of being her grandson and for giving me the gift of allowing myself to be the person that gave her so much joy. And then we brought the letters down. My mom had written a letter, but my dad and my brother were like, nah, I don't want to write this. There's Mr. Machos. But they also inside of the ceremony had their own process. Like my brother, his whole process was, man, I just want to dig. I want to dig the hole. All I want to do is just dig the hole and do the work. And my dad was like, I just want to water. And like, it was really, my dad was staying over there. And then we got to the, uh, the place where we were going to plant the plant. We ended up saying our goodbyes, doing what we wanted to do. We took the letters, put them inside of the hole and we burned them so that there could be ashes, like her ashes. It was like 
we that's what is symbolized for us because in Indian traditions or in the Hindu tradition, we cremate and then we throw the ashes into the water. And so what we did was we cremated, put it, put them in there. We burned the letters, planted the plant, put it there. And now that exists in our garden. And um, just, I, 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 I share that because I, I wanted to give another example of a ceremony and how imperfect they can be. <laughs> and I love that you also talked about how each one of you had some, a different way of paying tribute of honoring your grandmother and your father's mother. Right. So it's, I love that you spoke to that because each one of us, just like grief, our grief is so different from everyone else's. Your brother wanted to dig. He wanted to be in, in the soil and, you know, get his hands dirty. That some people are the action-based doers. Give me something to do. Uh, your dad was the water. Like he wanted to cleanse probably the space and clear. And you wanted to fully just release and then also flame and fire. So you have these like elements there. You're using earth, fire, water. And then there's also something else. I got this beautiful vision, this visual, I call them downloads as well, of what presented as your grandmother. And she was kind of like floating. It looked like she was on the slab and she was surrounded by fire, like candlelight. And there are also these like floating marigolds, these orange flowers all over her. That's what we planted. We planted marigolds. Yeah. And she was almost submerged in water. So she was like on this like slab, but there was water where the flowers were floating and there's just like candlelight everywhere. Uh, it was this beautiful, peaceful uh, visual that I got. Oh, that makes me, that makes my heart really happy. Thanks for sharing mm-hmm. that. It's so yeah. beautiful. I, I, I have appreciated the process of being a human being. Like it's been a, a beautiful return for me to come back to and 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 just honor the the full spectrum of life that exists in every moment like there's there's so much richness and and not being attached to any one outcome just experiencing like i think even for me one of the biggest cathartic releases for, for my at least process has been i don't need to understand when this is going to end or why this is happening i just get to experience it and by and by sitting in that, it's been it's been an experience. I think I'll put it that way. It's been an experience, a rich one, and one that I wouldn't want any other way. Yeah, and the way you put it, like it's the best way to experience being human. That's why we're here, <laughs> but we're bypassing this incredible, powerful end of life. This the grief, the sacredness, the expansiveness. We've completely decided, like, no, we don't want that part of our lives. But it has so much growth in it. Mm. It has so much authenticity in it. You get to really be human by experiencing both the birth, the life, and the death. And also, there's, there's not just physical death, like you mentioned earlier. There's the living deaths, the energetic deaths. We experience multiple deaths in one lifetime, energetically. There's so much, uh, man. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> You're a wonderful human being. And I, I really appreciate the, uh, what I really appreciate about the way you even approach grief is just how compassionate you are with the process. Like I feel the compassion and I just want to honor and appreciate that about you because it is something that that helps vulnerability. It, it helps safety. It, it creates 
something really beautiful. So thank you for existing and being as you are. It is, it is, it has been a treat to get to know you. Thank um, you. I'll receive that. I appreciate that too. So talk a little bit about sort of the work you do, how you can potentially, if anybody is going through a hell of a year, let's just put it that way, and they need support or they want to get in touch, how can they and what do you offer? And just talk about yourself. Even yeah, though, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I live on Instagram. I live um, my, my social media, which is uh, at Death and Path. And it's pretty much like a kind of like a resource library. But it's very accessible. I don't, it's no dark doom and gloom. I'm a death doula and it's, I specialize in grief support and death guidance. But it, like you said, it's a nurturing, loving, safe space because we're all going to experience it. There's not one person that hasn't experienced some form of death or won't experience some form of death if they haven't yet. It's really about having a community where we can openly discuss grief, death, dying, end of life. And there's so much there from the energetic deaths that we talked about, losses, being able to go on vacation, 2020 being your year, starting a new business, from that to identity loss, having to be a caregiver for your parents who are passing away, losing children, losing, having miscarriages. There's so much there. There's, it's like not, death is with us every day in so many different uh, ways. And this is just a really safe space to come and talk about that. Talk about sex, grief, <laughs> grief, sex, sex. Grief. yeah, grief, grief, sex. grief, sex, whatever. Um, because it's 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 about really creating this, like, uh, bringing death back into the cycle of life and death. Because it is, it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be in this harmonious um, yin and yang movement with life, and it has death at every breath. Well, and just the idea of pleasure. Even there's this, like the story of pleasure having to be tied to joy is a story. Yeah. Like, why do we need a reason to have pleasure? Like, it's it's a uh, pleasure if you feel like you crave pleasure. That's part of a that's a true. It's truth, and I think that's what we're honoring today in this conversation. It's it's truth. Whatever is true for you is actually exactly as it's supposed to be. There's no wrong way to do this. No, nope. and I think that's something we've. Uh, there's this kind of uh, movement to rewild ourselves. And I don't mm. know if you've heard this term, right? But death yeah. is definitely like part of that work, shadow work, all this stuff. And the part that we keep missing out on is the play. Mm-hmm. Like when you're little, you know, yeah. the, the wild part of you when you're little was super wild. <laughs> it was weird. It was out there. You're talking to plants. You're, you know, you're like super just completely you. And yeah. it's not just silliness. It's talking to rocks. It's saying you have imaginary friends that may not be imaginary. So it's, it's this concept of, you're right. Why is there a reason to have pleasure? Why, why is there a reason to like want to hug a tree or talk about death and dying? It's just, it's, this is all about being human. Mm-hmm. And I recently wrote something. I was really inspired to write something from the perspective of like, say, there are angels, right, that are just observing us all the time, just like these observer type entities or creatures. And just like looking at us like, man, these guys really are something <laughs> else, you know, like they're, they're so trying to go against who they are naturally. And it's strange how it's like this self-hate kind of thing. Like we're constantly putting on these restrictions, these boundaries of who we are, but we suffer through it. So it's not like we're better for these restrictions. To an extent, sure, laws in place, like be better civilized human beings, but to what extent? 
where you start dying inside because you're so restricted because mm-hmm. you feel like you can't be yourself. I love the idea of rewilding as a return to the natural state of who you are. Sometimes we need crisis. Sometimes we need chaos. Sometimes we need life to delicately give us the chance to dance. Right? Oh, like, man. Yeah. It's the digging. It's, it's the colorful nature of that human spirit that gets to be unleashed in its pure and rawest, most authentic state. It doesn't, it doesn't mean destruction all the time. No, but it, it can be. be really weird. <laughs> yeah, it can totally be destructive because I like and I I kind of went like this like I put my hand up because I was like I am like the if there was a poster child for like learning through destruction I'm like they're like hey what's up uh, I for a long time thought the universe was against me you know and uh, because so much was constantly happening in my life yeah and at some point I, I allowed death to become a teacher I had suicide ideation I'm a suicide attempt survivor. And I thought my, should I say obsession with death wasn't because I really wanted to die. It was that I was already, I already felt dead inside. And so I wanted to learn to live. And I thought that my romanticizing of death was because, okay, I needed it to end. But it was because it was trying to get me closer to life. Death was like sitting there trying to like wave flags and let me know like, hey, the universe is like constantly... I was constantly at odds with the universe because I wasn't listening or learning. The universe was like, I have destroyed your life how many times? You still don't get it. Like, you don't learn. You're so stubborn. And then death's like, hey, hey, I'm trying to help you live life again. I'm trying to help you reclaim your light and what you lost. And when I finally, like I said in the beginning, I just leaned in to those emotions and that crazy, that wildness that I always had that, you know, where someone's like, oh, there's that weird girl over over there, sad, moping in her book, you know, I leaned into it. I was all right. I'm this way for a reason. I try to hide it. People know right away that I'm hiding something. So I might as well just. People can feel when you're not being. When you're you're not not, authentic. You're not authentic. It's, it's, they don't even like, it's, it's a dimmer light. Like they, like you naturally don't get the magneticism that, that comes from. The opposite. It's the exact opposite. You like, repel. You yeah, repel. repel. And like when you are truly a beacon of, like when, when you are a channel of truth, you're a magnet. Like, and when you are authentic yeah. and vibrant and, and, and that means truly expressed like that. Oh man. Like it's just, it's, it's the deliciousness uh, that that's freeing. that's freeing. That's, yeah. that's, that's attractive. That, that makes you want to almost feel something within yourself. Like it's inspiring. It's yes. I, I fully, I fully support that message fully. The, yeah. That's, how, that's how I feel now that I, once I let go of all of this, like having to be in this like container that I thought everyone yeah. expected of me, same with grief, right? How we see grief and death and dying. Once I just like shattered that whole belief system and really walked into like, People aren't going to like me anyway. They're going to judge me regardless. So I'm just going to show up in my really primitive wildness and be uber creative and different and really embrace death from a place of who I naturally am, which is this very caring and nurturing person that I was hiding all the time because 
I would get it taken advantage of a lot because I'm not showing up as myself. And then I have this natural way of existing. So then I said, you know what? I'm going to take all the junk off, all the facade, all the costumes. Like I'm just going to show up as who I am. And it has been liberating, freeing. I feel completely in alignment. I feel powerful. I feel so at peace with who I am as a person that I, I used to be chronically depressed for like 20 plus years literal. Like I learned to manage my depressive episodes. I'm like, okay, this is Netflix and grief time. You know, I'm going to sit here and, you <laughs> know, <and> grief. <laughs> like three to five days of just being blah. Cause I was in the corporate space and I was actually a very successful entrepreneur. Yeah. I was dead inside though. I was completely dead inside because I couldn't show up as myself and leaning into the death, the dark, the shadow, and all the teachers that were waiting for me there, arms wide open going, thank you. It's about time. I haven't had a depressive episode in four years since I became a death doula. Not one. I'll have some anxiety here and there, but I won't, I would get into these very dark, I would shut out for a month. People would try texting, calling. They just knew my routine. They're like, okay, she'll reemerge in the next 30 days, like out of hibernation as if nothing had happened. And I wouldn't tell them. And for everyone listening, I just want to reiterate, you get to choose, you get to choose to live every day. I know we've talked a lot about the universe throwing things at you and death showing up, but death can be a choice too. And it can be a freeing choice to allow the fear of being yourself to die. At the end of the day, choosing to live is choosing to allow And choosing to allow is choosing to give your greatest gifts in the world, which is nothing but just who you came onto this earth being. Yeah. That is it. And living into that. And you're a beautiful example of that, of how choosing, choosing to go into the shadow, into the grief, into the voices and trust and surrender in that space allowed the rebirth, the phoenix to rise, the mm-hmm. the true nature of your spirit to be integrated in this human body and impact just through your existence. Yeah. Not by what you do, it's by who you are. Ah, uh, Jess, you're a delicious human being. And I could talk to you for hours, but we are running out of time. I have one last question for you. And by the way, everybody, we will make Jess's contact information available in the show notes so you can send her some love, follow her on social, all the things. But in the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? I dance. (laughs) It's one of my easiest ways. Um, There's actually two ways and that doesn't involve talking. One is movement meditation Mm. where your body has its own knowing, its own memories its own guidance, right? Because we're here in a physical realm in a yeah. very physical body. And we always, we always try to like think our spirit and our not mind know better, but we're meant to be working in unison with this neat vessel <laughs> spaceship we're in, um, this body. And so what I do is I allow it to guide me. When, I'm, when I can't reach through meditation, when I'm in a bad spot, my, I can't reach emotions. I feel like there's something stuck, but I can't get to it. I'll just throw music on and I'll just allow ecstatic movement to come through. And it makes space. It makes space for what needs to be released. So there's movement meditation, 
where you can't quiet the mind, but the body's like, I got you. And then there's dancing, which is, I always say, dance all your feelings out. Like it can be to whatever music you want, but just allowing yourself to just freely move. Again, ecstatic movement, dancing, where when you're a little kid, you're just like doing random things. It's the mm-hmm. same concept. Mm-hmm. It's the same concept. So those are the two ways I ground almost immediately. Mm. I love the simplicity of this question. I'm always baffled by literally the answers. Every single time I ask it, every single person, it's just something about just the simplest things that bring us back to the truth of life. It's not complicated. It doesn't need to be hard. It, no. it can, it's, it's the simplest things and it's short. Like, uh, I just, I, I appreciate, I appreciate your simplicity, your wonderfulness so much. Thank you so much for being here, Jess, and for sharing your light and for inspiring um, a different relationship with grief and death. I really appreciate you. Um, thank thank you. you. This has been yeah. amazing. I love having these conversations. They're the best. <laughs> they really are. It's like yeah, such a so cheat amazing. code. It's like, this is work. Awesome. Like, I love <laughs> yeah. it. Um, but everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Jess. And from us, Stay Grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.